Hello, musical theatre fans. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. My name is Ian Boquette, and every week I ask special guests from the world of musical theatre and beyond all about their favourite musicals and which one show they would order run forever if they were the Mayor of Musical Theatre, a very made-up position. This week's guest is the beloved UK drag performer, star of Series 1 of RuPaul's UK Drag Race, and award-winning musical theatre extraordinaire, it's Davina DeCampo. I first, weirdly, I first met Davina many, many years ago in the clubs of Hanley and Manchester, but since then they have done so much incredible work, including the brilliant Leeds Playhouse production of Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which I named as my favourite production of last year. They are currently starring as Plankton in SpongeBob SquarePants at the Southbank Centre, and I highly encourage you to go see them in that. It's an incredibly fun production. It's wonderful. Also, excitingly, they are the host of this year's Stage Debut Awards on the 1st of October. I love new theatre. I write new theatre. It's so important for the art form that we celebrate and support it, and the Stage Debut Awards is the only UK awards dedicated to doing just that. If you'd like to join Davina at the awards ceremony and enjoy a fantastic night, including a three-course meal, live performances, a DJ and dancing, and of course getting to mingle with all the incredibly talented people who will soon be West End superstars, do follow the link in the show notes and get yourself tickets. Hopefully see you there. This podcast is produced in association with MusicalTheatreReview.com, your premier source for news, reviews and interviews on all things onstage, backstage and worldwide. All the social media links for them, for this podcast and for Davina are also in the show notes, so please do follow and get involved and talk to us. Say things to us on the internet. Always a good thing. That's never been a bad thing. Right, let's get into this chat with the talented superstar and genuinely lovely human being, Davina DeCampo. <laughs> She's a member of the chorus. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. I am composer, reviewer, photographer, and now podcaster slash fake mayor, Ian Boquet. But I am far less worthy of the title of Mayor of Musical Theatre than my guest today, who, weirdly, I have, I have vague memories of from nights spent in the clubs of Hanley and Manchester back in the late 2000s. But since then, they have seen television stardom on RuPaul's UK Drag Race and begun to take over the world of musical theatre with their starring roles in Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Chicago UK Tour, and now SpongeBob SquarePants. Davina DeCampo has, through their incredible talent, become one of the country's most beloved drag artists and a truly revelatory musical theatre performer. On October 1st, they will host the Stage Debut Awards, the only dedicated awards recognising breakthrough theatre talent. Davina DeCampo, it's a long way from the club in Hanley, isn't it? Oh my goodness, that is a blast from the past. <laughs> wow. Now I hope you're going to keep hold of my secrets from that time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as I remember, it was a £7 all-you-can-drink offer, so there was a lot going on in that place. There was a lot going on in that place. Wow, that really is a blast from the past. I was reading um, press releases and things, and something that was mentioned was that you really enjoy the quiet life when not touring, recording or filming with your husband. Do you have much time for the quiet life anymore? I mean, we're recording this before 9am and you're a drag queen. I mean, is there a quiet life? <laughs> Yeah, no, there isn't at the moment, um, and I am desperately in need of it. So I'm going to get one just before the stage awards. I'm going to get my first two-week break in about two and a half years or longer. <laughs> so I'm very excited, actually. I'm going to be able to have a really nice break, and I'll be 
perfectly rested, ready for the awards. Come on. Amazing. What you got plans? A good holiday, something like that? We actually, like home home is in Gran Canaria. My mum's out there at the moment with my stepdad. We found a place uh, just after the Brexit vote. Um, and so that's home. So I'm going to go there. Yeah, it's the it's the one place in the world where I feel totally centred. That's really lovely. Of course, the last few years you've been doing so much theatre. I write for Musical Theatre Review and every year we choose our favourite show of the year, which last year for me was Hedvig, Leeds Playhouse. You were just so perfect in that. Was it an obvious choice for you to go for that role? Well, actually, uh, it was a friend of mine who was directing it, Jamie Fletcher. We'd known each other even longer than I've known you. Um, We'd known each other since uni and, and she... I think had me in mind already for the role and they asked and I, I jumped at it. I'd been introduced to it as, as one of my first kind of main drag gigs. I went out to Ibiza and did the six month season out there. And um, the boy I was working with introduced me to it. And the origin of love had a sort of eureka moment for me, you know, in my brain, it was one of those pivotal moments where you go, Oh, wow. All of this stuff is, like just made up oh so I can choose my own way okay great you know it's just one of those moments where it reminded me of I'm allowed to be myself it's a beautiful show like that obviously on the face of it it's a raucous rock and roll punk show but it's uh, you know the origin of love is Plato it's got some deep philosophy in about identity and love yeah and those ideas you know those are sown the whole way through the show drawing from all kinds of different philosophies and ideas. You know, the the music's so, so clever and the the script, the book is so heartbreaking. It's it's amazing. It's you know, I'd love it. And you know, I'd love to go back to her at some point. We just have to see what what the world has in store for me. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm praying every day for a, a London transfer, some sort of transfer, who knows? <laughs> So uh, it's a, such a specific skill set you need for that role as well. Obviously, you've got an incredible voice, you're a great actor, but also holding that crowd in the palm of your hand while you're doing dirty jokes. That's very much a drag queen's MO. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was that was one of the things that, I, you know, I don't think 15, 20 years ago I'd have been ready to do it. I think you need somebody who's slightly older and had um, a bit of that experience of, of working with an audience in that way, which is why, you know, working with a drag queen makes sense for that role because that's what they spend most of their time doing is it's just interacting with an audience and playing with them. And so that's that was one of the most joyful parts of the show was that it, I, w- I had the skill set, but it didn't mean that, you know, the skill set was fully developed enough for it so I learned so much through the process and every night on stage I was just constantly learning and stretching and growing every you know it's one of those shows where it allows you to do that and now you're in Spongebob Squarepants of course with lots of families I mean just as raucous as the punk crowds in some ways and you used to be a teacher is that right so you got more crowd control going on there yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that kind of helped me uh, in drag was working in in high schools and junior schools and primaries and uh, and then with old age groups. <laughs> <laughs> Those old people can be tricky. Yeah, it just gives you a, a different way of working, and you learn very quickly that 
asking an audience to, are you having a good time? No, tell them, you're having a good time. It's it's phrased as a question, but actually it's a statement. <laughs> how, is, how is SpongeBob going so far? It seems like such an outrageous, loud, brilliant show. I can only imagine, I mean, people of all ages love SpongeBob, but especially the kids must be loving it. Yeah, it's great. And the cast are just wonderful. They're such a joy to work with every night. Um, Louis Cornet is an absolute uh it's a tour de force performance. He's so perfect in it. He just fully embodies that joyous, positive naivety that uh, that SpongeBob has and is known for. Um, and and everybody in it is just brilliant. Like the vocal talent in that room is unreal. I I can't wait to see it. I'm going to see it later in the summer, hopefully. Cannot wait. Great. So you're fully committed to the musical theatre now. This is the route you've chosen. And now you're hosting the Stage Debut Awards. Yeah, that's super exciting. It will feel a lot like coming home, I think, because it is, you know, like I said, drag queens are used to talking to and working and playing with an audience. So mm. so this is, hopefully I'm going to do a good job because I should be decent at this. <laughs> People people like naughtiness at awards ceremonies. That seems to be the, the thing to do these days. Yeah, otherwise they can be a bit dry and nobody likes it when it's a dry awards ceremony. So let's have some fun. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about theatre because obviously you've done a lot of theatre. You're clearly a committed fan of musical theatre. Was there one show that first made you fall in love with musical theatre? Yeah, I think so. I think Crazy For You was the was the one that that did it. I think it was like 98 that I saw it at the Alhambra in Bradford. Wow. It was the production that Ruthie Henshaw had done, but she wasn't in it. It was somebody else. But the the woman who was in it was incredible. And it it was just one of those moments of seeing uh, people who were not only really hungry and um, talented, but they were really committed to who it was they were on stage, you know? Yeah. Um, and it it transports you to somewhere different. It makes you, it just sucked you in and made you go, oh, and you invested in the characters. Um, and it's beautiful. It's such a great show. You know, it's it's got just the right amount of comedy and intrigue and drama and love and... Um, and it has all these kind of twists and, t- you know, it's like a, an opera where everybody's pretending to be somebody else. Yeah. Um, it's great. And then, of course, it's Gershwin, which who doesn't love Gershwin? It's beautiful. Oh, so you get all the best music and incredible choreography and comedy. It's quintessential musical theatre, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. Did you grow up in a theatrical environment? Were you pushed in that direction at all? Or was this something you came to quite late? My first audition for a show was for Oliver. And I think I was about... 11 or 12 maybe I was 12 and that was my first audition I'd done stuff at school and I'd done things at church and I'd done things with other groups but that was my first audition and I walked into the room and I was late you know (laughs) classic me um I'm not late for anything anymore because I'm so uh stressed out by it that I'm like 30 40 minutes early for everything now (laughs) um I walked into the room slightly late and the the guy who uh, 
I didn't know at the time, but he was director. And actually, he was one of the best directors I've ever worked with. He really was so uh, interested in the character and the motivation and what's driving everybody on stage. And he took the time, you know, these are kids. He took the time to really explain that and pull that out of everybody on stage. He was really brilliant. Um, And he said, uh, sorry, love, the girls' auditions were yesterday. Oh, wow. (laughs) From that younger age. (laughs) Um, I I was listening to a podcast with you, actually, and you're talking about how when you were thinking about different acting roles you could go for, um, because of your physicality, because of the way you sang, um, you thought, I can't be Jean Valjean and take all those big masculine roles. And that kind of pushed you into the more feminine world. Yeah, 100%. You know, I'd, I'd kind of worked that out by the time I was 20. You know, because you have to look at, you're a product. You have to look at what you actually are. Um, you're a product. And and so, um, and I was glad that I'd worked that out because then you go for auditions and and you can see, actually, I am head and shoulders better at what they've asked, but they've kept everybody who's six foot three and above. <laughs> sure. And you go, okay, I know what this is about. That's fine. Um, you know, because that's that's what they're looking for for that particular role, and you don't fit that, and so it's not a personal thing. Um, yeah, so you you have to recognise what it is that you are as a a human being, as well as you know as a, a, a an entity on stage, um, in order to kind of what's your niche? What is it that your what, where does your peg fit, so to speak? <laughs> Let's keep it clean, but I love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's worked out for you. You're award-winning. You're now hosting the awards. That's great advice for anyone. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm overjoyed by how everything's worked out. And the funny thing is, Plankton is not any of those things. He's a he's a very different character. Mm. Um, you know, so it's 20 years and and now I've come back to I played lots of really masculine characters at uni. Um, I can't say I was very good at it. I can't say I'm very good at plankton. I, you know, I leave that up to other people to decide what, what they think. <laughs> I mean, how do you judge a performance it, like that? It's such an, an alien creature, you know? Sure well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but he's a much more masculine character than anything I've done for, for 20 years. Um, so that's been a real interesting learning journey as well. Well, well maybe in another 10 years, it will be Jean Valjean. Keep fingers crossed. <laughs> I think I'd have to go to the gym first and probably grow another four inches in height. <laughs> it's it's for the listeners. This is like nine o'clock in the morning, and that's that drag queen instinct. <laughs> okay, we should we should get through these questions. Which musical score gets stuck in your head the most often? Oh, Notre Dame. The oh, the nice. the scoffer Notre Dame. Just it. It's one of those where if you're feeling any kind of way, the music, you put your headphones on and the music just wraps around you and you are completely lost in it. It's incredible. 100%. I mean, working in musical theatre, does it help if a show has a really catchy score or does that mean the songs get annoying to you after a while? Oh, no. If I'm one of those who can just go back to a score over and over and over again. I because there's always something new, you know, in a really well-crafted score, there's always something new. You're like, oh, I never heard that flute part before. 
uh, how have I missed this the whole time? You know, so there's always something in a score to to find. And and sometimes even just the vocals, sometimes people's vocals, you know, everybody thinks so carefully about how they use their voice in different parts. And sometimes you you don't really catch all of that, even if you've listened to it a hundred times and then you listen to it again and you go, oh, and it brings a whole different meaning to what it is that they're doing. Um, I listen to Hedvig all the time, of course, obsessive fan. Mm. And the fact that there were, th- I think, at least three different cast recordings or movie recordings out there to listen to, and you can hear the slight differences that performers take. And there's always, that's the great thing about musical theatre, because it's the characters in emotion. There's always different things to latch onto. Yeah, absolutely. And because everybody's instrument is different as well, then naturally the way that you're going to deliver something is going to shift you know they've made this decision because that's what they sound like and that's what they do well that doesn't work for me the way for me to achieve that is through this vehicle or through this technique or through this particular sound so um that is that's one of the joys of of uh of listening to other people's interpretations of music. I was learning um, I was learning that a long time ago and there's like 50 different versions of it um, and and that was one of the things that I found really interesting about listening to that is, you know, this is an opera, it has a real specific way of delivering this that, and yet everybody's is completely different. What is your favourite musical currently running in London? And uh, sorry, you can't say SpongeBob. Of course, you're going to be biased there. Oh, I'm sorry. oh, you've you've scuppered me. <laughs> well, it it has to be crazy for you. It has to be. That's fair enough. Gillian Lynn, have you seen this new production? I haven't yet. I'm sure it's I'm going to. Yeah, I mean, nothing but good things. And Gillian Lynn's such a lovely small-ish theatre as well, so you can get right up close to the incredible dancing. Yeah, and Charlie, by all accounts, is just charisma on legs. I saw him in Mary Poppins, as I think everyone in London saw him in Mary Poppins, mm. and he just owns that role. He's he's so incredible. What musical has made you laugh the most as a comedy legend as well as music legend, drag legend? Uh, Book of Mormon. It's a funny one. It just puts that, there's things in there that you know you shouldn't laugh at, and yet you do. (laughs) And as long as everybody on the stage is in on the joke and fully committed to it, then that's fine. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) As long as you know that they're not poking fun at you, they're poking fun at the stupid white people. (laughs) (laughs) Are you a fan of things like South Park and Team America and the other things? Oh, yeah. I mean, I grew up with all of that, so... I I haven't been back and watched any of it. I don't know whether it would be like Little Britain that would make me go, this is just (laughs) horrible. I don't like this. (laughs) Quite possible. Things have changed a lot since the 90s. You know, you look at the comedy that was happening in the 70s and so little of it is uh, funny, actually. Some of it's brilliant and some of it really stands up to the test of time, but some of it is just not funny. And it's the same with lots of 90s stuff. People go back and watch Friends and go, this is awful. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. it wasn't really my thing, so I'm okay with that. Well, that's why it's so wonderful when a show like Crazy For You is still as funny and can be done in such a funny way. I mean, there's things like the new Oklahoma that they have at Wyndham's Theatre at the moment where they've mm. completely revamped this very old musical and it is still hilarious and, and engaging and that can be done with good art. Yeah, because the comedy isn't 
it's because the comedy isn't rooted in punching down at anybody. That's why it's yes. not. It's not about being mean. It's it's about these are, but it's about situations rather than about somebody's identity. And I think that's what makes it stand the test of time. You know, if it's about making fun of somebody's personal attributes, eh, mm, yes, it's not where we are. It's not where we are. Speaking of things frozen in time, what's your favourite movie musical? Oh, The Wizard of Oz. Oh, easy 100%. Yes. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I was obsessed with The Wicked Witch. I cannot explain how obsessed with her I was. Um, and still am. What an Like, the commitment to that role mm. is unparalleled. She just embodies everything about that, and she's terrifying. Um, and then, you know, it's again, it's talking about scores and finding little bits and pieces. The film is exactly the same. There's so many little details that because televisions weren't very good in the 80s when I was first watching that, sure. you know, I'm the child of the 80s, um, you know, because TVs weren't that great. And now the picture quality is so much better. There's things in there that you just didn't see mm. that now is you're like, oh, gosh, wow, that's so clever. You know, um, so yeah, I just adore The Wizard of Oz. I could talk forever about how beautiful the the acting, the score, and everything is. But just looking at the picture quality of it, it was one of the first ever color films, and yeah. you see it projected now on a cinema screen. It looks as gorgeous as any modern movie with all the computer graphics and everything. It's vibrant and beautiful. Yeah, it is. It is so beautiful. And that moment where she steps out of the black and white into that world. Oh my goodness! Heavenly. How can you not love that? It's so good. And The Wicked Witch, of course, has a whole musical about her now and soon to be a movie version of that musical Wicked. Is Wicked one that you enjoy as well? Absolutely. I love Wicked. Yeah. And I've read the books. Read the books. They're great. I've got the book on the first book on my shelf and I've been meaning to read it for ages, but I'm just worried it won't be as good as the show and I'll, I'll get to it. No, they're great. They're great. And really easy to read. Very accessible. That's good. It's summer. I don't want to use my brain during the summer holidays. No. <laughs> <laughs> so which musical might people be surprised to learn you love maybe something at odds with your personality or a guilty pleasure if there is one uh, well i don't know i don't know if people would think that it's at odds with my personality but i i really love um young frankenstein such a fun fun show i love it i love it yeah my boyfriend like the music's great how are you not gonna love that brilliant fun and another one that's so, so funny, even though the original film was so long ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I really enjoy that. Well, on the other side of the coin, is there a musical that other people really, really love, but doesn't quite connect with you in the same way? It doesn't have to be you hate it. It doesn't have to be you think it's bad. Yeah, it, I don't think it's bad. I think it's amazing. I've got lots of friends who are in it and people are going to hate me for this. I, I've tried to watch Hamilton and it's just not for me. It's not for me. You're a brave, brave person. <laughs> I know! <laughs> no, that's fair enough, though. It's such a specific thing. Let's teach you about history through rap music. I mean, not for Yeah, enough, and they're just, a bit, they're just a bit too misogynistic for me. The way that they talk about women just switched me off. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, this isn't for me. And, that's, and the thing is, as an audience member... Uh, you also just have to recognise what is and isn't for you. And that's okay. 
I can 100% see why people like it and, and what's great about it. And it's just not for me. That's, that's all right. That's a beautiful thing about musical theatre. I mean, I do, and I'm sure you do, love shows that no one else has even heard of, let alone likes. And everyone likes different things. And that's what makes it wonderful. Yeah. I'm going to be crucified <laughs> for that, aren't I? <laughs> it's fine. I am going to be strung up and flogged in the street for that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is the most romantic musical? I th- I I think Good Old Les Mis is solid choice. It's really romantic, isn't it? You know, it's got that kind of slight Romeo and Juliet thing being dragged through it, and then you've got the unrequited love, and and then you've got the you know love of a father for a daughter, and I mean it's a solid choice. <laughs> <laughs> Would you consider yourself a romantic, sentimental sort of person? I think I used to be, uh, but my husband and I are not particularly <laughs> sentimental or romantic. But I cry at adverts, so yeah, I probably am. <laughs> <laughs> a good mixture of cynicism and just overwhelming emotions. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's the best sort of love, really, isn't it? When it perseveres, when you're tired of someone's face but you still love them with all your heart that's that's a gorgeous thing yeah absolutely and i bet my husband is tired of my face (laughs) you have so many faces you've got your plankton face a divina face (laughs) what musical have you never seen that you think you should see oh standing at the sky's edge oh yes you're in for a treat it is gorgeous yeah i've not seen it yet um, but I'm going to see Lacage, which I'm really excited about. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, me too. Um, are you going to press night next week? No, I can't oh, make press it. night, unfortunately. I know I wish. Um, no, I'm going on the f- so I'm praying to the weather gods to be kind. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a tricky one with Regent's Park Open Air Theatre because you never quite know what it's going to be like. But when it does rain, there's such a lovely community spirit and everyone's in it together. Yeah. It's just annoying when you have done hair, makeup, outfit and everything and it rains. Um, which musical's fictional world would you most like to live in? Oh, uh, well, The Wizard of Oz. Absolutely, yeah. yes. No, I've gone back. <laughs> <laughs> and would you be a specific character in Oz or would you just be someone in the background enjoying the colourful beauty of it all? Oh, I think I'd end up just being a munchkin. I'd, you know, I'd want to be somebody in the palace, but I'd probably end up just being a munchkin if... <laughs> If we're being realistic. (laughs) She's a member of the chorus. (laughs) Well, the law of the Wizard of Oz is this human comes in and ends up just running the place because they're the only human there. That could be you. Oh, yeah. okay. But he's a fraud. He's a liar. I didn't want to say anything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. You're obviously incredible. (laughs) Okay. Um... If you were to direct a radical restaging of a classic musical, which one would you choose to bring up to date in some way? Uh, am I allowed to rewrite some of it? Yeah, that would be incredible, yes. I think I'd like to see a, a newer staging of Kiss Me Kate. Yes, such great songs in that Kiss show. Kiss Me Kate. Brilliant songs, great characters, and it's... It's ripe for it, I think. Yeah, but it's got a very, very old-fashioned plot. Um, where I mean, gangsters, do they even exist in the same way as they did back in the Kiss Me Kate days? Uh, I mean, we currently have a, a war with Russia in Europe at the moment. And uh, I think if there ever was a, a 
gangster precaution is probably that. That's true. This could be the most political, hard-hitting Kiss Me Kate ever made. Well, pray for that. Anyway, the big question, the big final question. If you were the mayor of musical theatre, if you had the power to order one show, be running forever, so you could go see it whenever you want, which show would you choose and in which venue? Well, of course it would be Hedvig. Of course. It would have to be Hedvig. But where would it be? Hmm... Now there's a question. I think Hedwig would be great at the Garrick. Mm. That's sort of just big enough to have some spectacle and get enough people in, get all the fans in, but kind of small enough so everyone can enjoy it in the intimate way. Yeah, I think the Garrick would be perfect. I was talking to um, Lena Hall on this podcast who won the won the Tony Award for Wow, Pinsack, yeah. Um, who's incredible. And she also chose Hedvig to run forever. And she had an idea of having it really punk rock and just announcing the venue on Twitter the day of the performance, have people rock up to some club or some cafe or some car park and just do it in random places, which I also think would be wonderful. I think I think that's a great idea. Yeah, that's amazing. Just stage it at different places all around, just around everywhere. Yeah. Have it as a an actual long-running tour just popping up in different places. That's a great idea. Let's of, have it at Victoria Baths in Manchester. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yes, all of the dingiest Just like parts. that. Yeah, exactly. Um, of course, that would be a fight between you and Lena over who gets to play Hedvig, though. Do you think you could play Hedvig for the rest of your life over and over again? Well, I mean, she won a Tony for, for Yitzhak, so, so it would make most sense for her to be Yitzhak. <laughs> You're still in the Hedwig character, just putting Yitzhak in their place. Amazing. Dunning. I'll see you at the Stage Awards, darling. Looking stage debut awards. Let's have it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You've been incredible. Thanks for having me, lovely Ian. Thank you. So that was Davina De Campo, such a lovely human being. And if you've seen them perform, you'll know how amazingly talented they are too. Check the show notes for all the social media links you need, plus a ticket link for SpongeBob SquarePants at the Southbank Centre. And of course, Davina is going to be hosting the Stage Debut Awards on October 1st. That's going to be such a fun night with Davina hosting, not to mention all the live performances, DJ dancing, everything. It's going to be great. If you want to join Davina, possibly even me at the ceremony too, it's on October 1st and there's a ticket link in the show notes for that. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please do get involved in the social media and recommend us to all your coolest friends. Just the cool ones. Only cool people listen to this podcast. That's a fact. We are the cool people. Um, We'll be back to chat theatre with another wonderful guest soon. Keep it musical. Bye.